0: Hello and
1: welcome to the Saturday Night podcast. He is Chris Marler. I am Cameron Guerra. Marler is technically Casual Friday. I think the name Casual Friday, we're allowed to stick with it until the actual season starts. Is yeah. that fair? That's fair. I like that. Yeah, because I mean, technically, even though fall camp has started and we are preparing for a season... It still could be somewhat casual. We had a very casual interview that we just recorded with our good friend, Dari Noka. That'll be coming up in a little bit. Really, really good to hear from our good buddy, who I realize we haven't had him on since we did our pre-Bowl podcast. Yeah, it's been a while. Crazy. By the way, that was the same episode that we had our good friend, Lynn Bowden, on as well. That's right. Long time ago. Long time ago, it feels like at this point. But we have some good stuff to get to today. We, of course are going to talk about SEC quarterback battles because when fall camp starts, I feel like quarterback battles are the most pressing storyline. Usually, and especially this year in the SEC, obviously there are a couple of other things that we've been talking about. Um, you know, the whole like pandemic stuff and which conference is going to play, which conference is not is the schedule going to actually come out? All these different things that have sort of taken yeah. up all of our time. And I feel like we haven't, necessarily done enough to talk about these quarterback battles when there are there's like a billion in the SEC this year
2: yeah there's gonna be, it's gonna be good there's, there's a there's a lot going on um yeah it's it's weird getting back into the actual football talk it's like you know like it's like it, it's we're still we should be like a week and a half away from from when the season was going to kick off but Florida
1: Miami last year was like August 25th yeah oh it breaks my heart I know it's the worst. Gosh, I hate thinking about that too. Like, think that this day last year, where were you? Stuff. Little do we know. Little, you know. little did we
2: know. <laughs> so we we were talking about this last night, me and Allie. Um, August thirty first was two years ago. That was the the day before the first day um, of college football, and it was the day we got engaged. Yes. And so, uh, in a couple of weeks, we will officially have been engaged for two years, despite only dating a year and a half. So that's fun. That's also fun. That's impressive. That's a Got impressive. the whole Pam and Roy thing going, which is nice. That's hey, that's great
1: company. And things worked out yeah. for both of them. So I that's think that's true, good. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, uh, you know, it's still together and everything and not with other people that you'll be better off Yeah, but
2: start a gravel company.
1: You <laughs> wanna talk wanna talk before we talk quarterbacks. I did notice that our good friends at Bet Online have come out with Woo! week one lines i have some i had some reactions to those i had some way too early picks and those are subject to change of course because yeah. there's going to be opt outs there's going to be injuries that's that's been the big storyline in the nfl so far is these soft tissue injuries that makes me very very worried about we already heard about Marshawn lloyd the the south carolina that running sucks. back season ending injury devastating to hear that but that's my way of saying i think a lot of these things are really going to change and we're going to have a lot of moving pieces very fluid for the next month leading up to the yeah. start of the season but our friends at bet online are going to be on top of all of it
2: so one thing they are definitely on top of at bet online is well, well one first off playoff basketball has just been incredible it's been, it's time, been fun it's been really Dame fun. game time has been kind of so much fun to watch um so you can, you can still bet on that you can still be betting on your your parlays and stuff like that i didn't even check to see if the blues won last night did you know if they won don't care regardless not important okay yeah awful franchise that. Um, no, it's not. So, after that, uh, they they came out also with not just week one lines, they came out with team win totals, okay? And Bet Online has got you taken care of. If you want to bet on the futures of, of every single SEC team, uh, I'm going to let you know right now. Bama, over under eight wins. What? I'm telling <laughs> you. Last time you I'm heard t- that. T- I'm telling
1: you. It's um, a weird, weird thing to just have to sit here and Arkansas, dissect with this conference schedule.
2: Arkansas, over under one and a half. They've got them for every single team listed. There is some. There are some good, good value bets in here. I can't wait to make a, pl- a couple of plays. Um, but, yeah, get over to betonline.ag today, start your accounts, get a little bonus action, and start gambling on some SEC football and NBA basketball as well. Let's talk about Arkansas. Vanderbilt said it one. Oh, that's depressing.
1: <laughs> that. that is depressing. Let's talk about Arkansas' quarterback battle first because I don't know if it's so much of a battle because – uh, Felipe Franks is the guy in Fayetteville. He was brought in by Kendall Bryles to run that yeah. system. And if anybody other than Felipe Franks in that group, KJ Jefferson, Jack Lindsay, John Steven Jones, three of the many quarterbacks who started during the very infamous Chad Morris era, if any of those quarterbacks were the week one starter, I will be absolutely stunned. Yeah. This is Felipe's job unless something happens to him, right?
2: Right. I would agree with that. Oh my God, Connor! The weird. The okay. Blues, well, that's Go that ahead. scared me. Well, yeah. You can't say "Oh my God" in the middle of the podcast. The Blues had a three-one lead and they lost four to three. Oh, imagine Moving that. on. Yeah, moving
1: on. Blues choking the playoffs. Surprising. Uh, I know they're defending Stanley
2: Cup champs. I don't care. Yeah. What are you talking about? They're don't way care. better than the Blackhawks. I don't even. Uh, know. Currently,
1: like but yeah, whatever. Um. So with with Arkansas's quarterback battle, the weird thing that I keep coming back to, and I think if you're an Arkansas fan, this like you're, you're the only thing you can possibly root for this season is just to have a quarterback who starts and finishes the year. Like, that's yeah. it. If you get that, something is going right, and it means that Felipe hasn't done a Felipe thing and, you know, ridden the roller coaster, so to speak. Because right. I, I, I made a comparison before. I think he's the Jameis Winston of the SEC. I think when things are not going well, he, is, he self-combusts. I think Florida fans would would agree with a lot of that. The shushing of the crowd against South Carolina, the jawing with the fans, and even in, in the Miami game last year, just these John weird with the moments. zone
2: fans. Yeah, well, I
1: mean, there were Miami fans in there as well for that one, but yeah, the South Carolina thing definitely uh, yeah. was was shushing the home crowd. But I'm excited to see what happens with Felipe in this Kendall Briles offense, where I think he's going to take a lot of the same concepts that Dan Mullen used with trying to get him. Trying to get him mobile and not necessarily relying him to make all these in the pocket accurate throws. I think Felipe has shown that he might not be the most fleet of foot, but he can be effective as a runner. And I think Kendall yeah. Bryles is going to want to work with that.
2: Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, so, as far as a QB battle goes, I don't, I don't really see this being much of a battle. I think, I mean, Felipe again, just knowing what we know of Felipe Franks, I don't know if that that's the kind of kid that transfers somewhere to go battle someone at quarterback, especially with the, the career he's already had. Um, I think I think he is going to be the starter, and I think he's going to be good in this offense. He's got a lot of young receiver talent to be really good. Queso says hello. What up, Queso?
1: Yeah. Let's talk about the Alabama quarterback battle, because I think we'd be having a different conversation about this had we had a normal offseason, right? Yeah. I think if we had had a spring game where we got to see Bryce Young... There would be all sorts of excitement, and it'd be there'd be more momentum right now for him to win the starting job. Besides just these random clips that we see of him throwing at Jalen Waddle or a random comment from from Devontae Smith yeah. talking about how good they think Bryce Young is, I think Mac Jones is going to be the guy week yep. one. Now that doesn't necessarily mean that he's not going to lose the starting job at some point in the season, but this is still a very different situation right now and I think the fact that too this is like this is a little thing but these are the things that I try and look for during camp because I think they can be really telling Alabama had media availability for the first time since all this stuff went down with their players who was one of those players we spoke it's Mac Jones right that that to me kind of says a little bit about where where this program is at in, in terms of trusting Mac Jones trusting that he's going to say the right things had a little a little jab at Scott Cochran. I don't know if you saw that, but
2: love it. That's a little little bit of
0: shade there and from
2: Max Scott Cochran. It's Just like I just whatever. Like I'm I'm so I'm happy for him and him getting the the on field job that he wanted to have, and all that kind of stuff at Georgia and being back with his boy Kirby. And I'm equally as happy for the the, the situation that Bam is in right now. I'm telling you guys right now. I said this earlier. I know Bryce Young. I was late to the game on the Bryce Young recruitment and all that kind of stuff and watching the videos and and all that kind of hype. I know from everything I've heard and now have seen, he's he's a very legit prospect. Bryce Young's going to play this year. You're not going to keep that kid off the field, yeah. barring injury. I, and I totally I totally understand that. But I've said this before, and I'll say it again. Mac Jones, this is not this is not the typical like fan like message board battle for quarterback you know what I mean like like we're just like well you gotta put in the fresh he's, the not, fresh Blake like, he's, not, no, he's not Blake Barnett like he's not no he's not Blake Barnett and everyone like I'm telling you right now there's Saban is very meticulous with how he handles all of this stuff yeah. and Saban loves Bryce Young like loves Bryce yep. Young just trust me on that but at the same time Mac Jones that team and and Saban love Mac Jones, and there was no reason he would be put in that situation where he would be talking to the media, having this prominent role. If you've seen any of the videos they've had with with some of the the stuff in the offseason with, like, the locker room or the 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 behind-the-scenes look with some of, like, the, the strength and conditioning stuff, he's been prominently featured in most of those things. They don't do that for players that they're just kind of, like, you know, Toss, I agree. toss away or, or throw by the wayside. Yeah, and
1: I think the the point that I kept bringing up last year that I think is more and more relevant in an offseason like this where there's been such limited exposure and practice time and everything's been weird is the, the whole, hey – The guy led an Alabama offense that averaged 40 points per game against two defenses that finished in the top 25, and both of those games were away from home. And I think that Mac Jones and his rapport with Steve Sarkisian is important. Now, do I think that Steve Sarkisian wanting to see this Bryce Young thing through is going to potentially impact the urgency to want to see what he has in him? Absolutely, there's no yeah. doubt in my mind that I think that's going to be important. And I'm not saying that Mac Jones is going to start every game as the Alabama quarterback. And Mac Jones probably knows better than anyone that that door, much like we saw with Jalen Hurts when Tua was behind him, it's yeah. small. I mean, that that opening is is small, and he knows if he if, if that's a bad first half against a team that Alabama should be beating. Or whatever, that could be what opens the door for Bryce right. Young to take the job and never look back. So I'm so fascinated to watch that dynamic and to watch how Mac Jones, who has grown in his confidence really in the last year or so. I'm excited to see kind of how that plays out. And it's more of a more of a two horse battle. I realize that that Paul Tyson, the great grandson of Bear Bryant, is there as well and he's sort of the forgotten guy in all of in all of this. But how that battle has changed now, especially without Talia Tungabai Low right. mix.
2: And Tyson's Tyson's looks really good, by the way. There's there's been a lot of like not a lot of, but there's been people that have like hyped that up. He's just not. I don't see him beating out either one of these guys. Mac Jones is going to win that job. I, yeah,
1: I think Paul Tyson in a in a different sort of system than what Steve Sarkisian going to demand as right. starting quarterback would be interesting, but the mobility aspect that you need to be able to have and some of the footwork stuff in the pocket is what he still needs to be able to improve on. And I'm, uh, who knows what, what the future holds for Paul Tyson, but I think, uh, I think right now this is going to be Mac Jones in week one moving forward until otherwise. Another very, very highly publicized, well-documented, whatever you want to call it, quarterback battle. The one in Athens. My goodness. <laughs> it's been a little bit weird because it's a quarterback battle, but it kind of isn't at this point um, because we're still waiting for JT Daniels to be able to perform and he's still been banged up and he's still coming. Yeah. I don't understand why no still...
2: one's talking about that. Yeah. That's no been... one's talking about the injuries, Connor. <laughs>
1: no one's talking about the injuries. No one was talking about Jamie Newman's foot injury for much of the off season and what yeah. he was working back from, but apparently now is good to go. It's going to be interesting because I maintain that JT Daniels was brought in there because the, from a depth standpoint, it made perfect sense whether yeah. he was going to be eligible this year or not, he still made sense from a depth standpoint for what they want to be able to do with Jamie Newman, if they want to be able to use him in those running packages, knowing that they have a very new-look offensive line and wanting to make sure that they're not in a situation, as we talked about with that 2005 Georgia team, where they're standing up in the middle of the season looking around and we're like, oh boy, we uh, we don't have a backup for uh, DJ Shockley. Yeah. That's, that's a problem. We can't have that. And Jamie Newman, I think, is going to be the starter because i think his skill set and his ability to stretch the field which as the folks at pro football focus know all too well is very very good and very next level-esque yeah. and i think that's what's going to allow him to play in todd munkin's version of the air raid offense
2: so i said this this morning and i caught some people off guard but i said it i'm, I'm gonna say it again connor i'm gonna say it again do it have you seen jamie newman without a shirt on my god i just you remember baywatch this entire season, I'm going to call it J-Watch. This kid looks phenomenal, okay? Phenomenal from a standpoint. You wrote that standpoint. down. You wrote that down. I did down. not. I said it this morning on the TV show. We were practicing for that, and everyone was like, okay, Chris, that's a lot. <laughs> um, I'm telling you, J-Watch, this, this season, th- that quarterback can beat up your quarterback. He looks phenomenal. Um, I don't know if he is going to be – I tell you what, Like, like I love what Pro Football Focus has said and all the projections, all that kind of stuff. It's hard for me to fully get on board with Jamie Newman because of those five games that he had of under 50% completion percentage. Because that's something I was so like I, so hard on, on Jake Fromm about last year. I think Newman's going to be good. I think he's going to be good in this offense. Because bottom line, he didn't have the weapons he's going to have here at UGA that he had in wherever. He had some
1: stud receivers at Wake Forest. Sage Surratt, who two. just... Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, made some made some big time plays downfield. Say Sherrod, who's opting out for for this right. upcoming season. But Wake Forest fans were very quick when, and maybe it's a little bit of a scorn thing, but they were very quick to say when they saw all it's those pro a football thing. Yeah, I mean, there's there's something to be said for that. But they're like, seriously, do not underestimate how much those receivers at Wake Forest really went up and made some big time plays. And part of that, of course, though, is the ability to just trust your receivers. And sometimes last year, watching Jake Fromm— Play play quarterback for yeah. Georgia. You're just like, dude, you've got a five-star receiver on the outside George Pickens. I don't care if he's not technically open in the way that you want him to. do yeah. go let him make a play. And I think Jamie Newman is going to be willing to take more of those chances
2: if George Pickens isn't involved in, in a fight with a defensive back oh. um, during a play, <laughs> I love watching George Pickens play. And like, and from a physical standpoint, because he's not, he doesn't seem like he's that big and physical, but my God, is he? I mean, he's, he's a fantastic receiver. He's one of the best, not just in the conference, but in the country overall. Um, I agree with you. I mean like, yeah, throw him the ball and, and I get what you're saying. Like, like Surratt, and then who was the other kid? I can't remember his name right now. We were big on him two years ago. We talked about this with winning and boozing a lot. It was a, uh, they, god what was the receiver's name i can't it's it, i'm drawing a blank right now from the receiver from wake it, it's it's like dorch or something like that no Doring. nothing chris Doring. no it was not Doring. it was like greg zorch or greg dorch or something like that but anyway anyway bottom line um he does have I, I get that it's like like that is purely in my opinion like the scorn from wake forest fans and i get that he had some talent talented receiver I said this before, that offense had two total four stars on the entire roster. And and I get that they have NFL type uh, caliber mm-hmm. players. They've got them everywhere around him at, at Georgia. He's got them on the offensive line, even though they lost a lot on of the offensive line. He's got them everywhere in the backfield for running back. George Pickens, Demetrius Robertson, Dominic Blaylock, all five star guys. And I know Blaylock's coming back from injury, but yeah, I think it's going to be fine.
1: I'm interested to see how Kirby handles this. This quarterback situation, if he treats it with the same sort of coy nature that he did with Jake Fromm and Justin Fields, where he wasn't going to definitively be like, Jake Fromm is our starter week one, I'm going to say this four weeks in advance, four months in advance, and wasn't yeah. necessarily willing to do that. And while I think this is a different situation because one, of course, is a grad transfer quarterback and one is not... I think that, that 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 whole dynamic and and maybe that'll be a learning experience that 2018 quarterback situation if if Kirby is, is able to learn from that and manage this situation as best as possible I think Georgia will absolutely be better for it, and I'm excited to see what happens with Todd Munkin's offense. I know it's been talked about a lot, and I think Georgia was a year too late to want to expand and, right. and diversify their offensive scheme, but I am excited to see what it could potentially do because it's not a Mike Leach air rate. He's not going to be throwing the ball 50-plus times a game or anything like that, yeah. but at the same time, I think they're going to stretch teams out in a way that they weren't willing to do in the past, and I think that they're going to be a little bit more uh, a little bit more diverse, a little bit tougher to predict in terms of what they're able to do and what that does for Georgia in year one or early on in the season is is one of the best SEC storylines to watch, no doubt about it. Jay watch. Jay watch. Let's talk Kentucky. Um, Kentucky? Nah,
2: let's not do that today. Let's do a different one. I'm, I'm playing. The hater?
1: <laughs> Hating on our favorite neighbor, Terry Wilson? How dare you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, this one, this one is unique because, hey, as of right now, this is three seventeen on Thursday, August twentieth. The NCAA still hasn't ruled on Joey Gatewood's eligibility because why would they? That would actually require some sense to, to be able to to let a kid know if he's gonna play for a season.
2: <sighs> yeah, I don't know why we're really talking about this one as much, just because I think we're, we've gotten to a point where if they haven't already done it. Like, I, I, how do we know they're going to do it? You know,
1: they're just looking for the right time to bury to bury the lead, like just news dump. They're probably gonna yep. let you let Kentucky know Friday, 4:58 p.m. something like right. that. Like, oh, by the way, Joey Gatewood's not eligible because he's transferring within the conference.
2: I think Gatewood is a is a good, you know, he's he's a very talented kid. It's a guy. I mean, talk about a guy that was like, you know, if if he was he was a top 50 guy and a, and, a, and a high four star recruit and all that kind of stuff. I just have a feeling that that. Terry Wilson is going to come back and light the world on fire, quarterback at Kentucky.
1: I'll say this. So Brandon Marcello, who does incredible work for 24-7 sports, and I think that the job that he does, breaking news and, and his football insights, dude knows what he's talking about, no doubt about it whatsoever. Yeah. But when I saw him when I saw him tweet out, oh, by the way, if Joey Gatewood's eligible, he's going to start and he's going to beat Auburn in his return to, to Auburn. Yeah. I thought to myself, no, no, I don't think he is. I think Terry Wilson's the guy that they trust. I think Joey Gatewood, while exciting, and could be the quarterback of the future in Lexington, which I think that's why he transferred there in the first place. Yeah. I I think it's still Terry Wilson that they trust. And I think that even if Joey Gatewood is eligible, because get ready for that headline, if it, for whatever reason, happens, there's going to be a lot of people just penciling Joey Gatewood in to be the starter. I think Terry right. Wilson's going to get be the guy. I think that they trust him there and he knows and understands the offense and he has the experience. By the way, was the quarterback for the most successful Kentucky football season in the last 4 decades. Yeah. All right, Mississippi State. Again, this one not so much a battle, but we haven't really talked a whole lot about KJ Costello this off season. Yeah, that's true. And for someone who's going to take up so much volume He's going to be really interesting to watch with Mike Leach for the obvious reasons. Look, he's a guy who was an all-Pac-12 quarterback two years ago, got hurt last year. Stanford season just went down the toilet, and KJ Costello really couldn't stay healthy for that team. But this offensive transformation is going to be really, really different to watch because we're going to watch a team that quite frankly, couldn't throw the ball the last two years, could not throw the ball with Joe Moorhead in that offense, didn't have the personnel to be able to run that system, and it wasn't necessarily the fit that I admittedly thought it was going to be. I don't know how they're necessarily going to all of a sudden go to this team that pass blocks really, really well to throw the ball 50-plus times a game because all but one of Mike Leach's offense has averaged 50-plus passes per game. like They're doing that. That's not like something that's, oh, that's kind of a cool preseason storyline. How is KJ Costello going to handle that volume? How is he going to be able to quickly process those things and read defenses, read these front sevens who are going to be faster than any he has ever seen before?
2: Yeah, that's, I mean, that's an interesting take. And I think a lot of times, I mean, if we're being fair here, I, I'm sure they take they take a lot of sacks, they throw the ball a lot. I don't see a lot of those offenses taking a lot of sacks uh Historically, I mean, just because of the fact, and, and I could be wrong about that, but just the fact that like most of the stuff is is not slow developing pass plays that they're getting people open super far down field, and it's like more quick hitters and and stuff like that. Like it, it, he he's going to be able to pick apart a defense. I, I think the best thing about Mike Leach and something he's done a tremendous job of at every single stop he's ever had. He knows how to work with the, the talent level that's around him, and I think sure. that he is going to, he's going to figure out a way. Now, granted, he hasn't been able to face a talent like this at all. Um, and we've talked about his record against the top 10 when he does it to face elite talent like that, like when he was in the Big 12 and had to play Texas and Oklahoma. And, and I know that we look at, at that Texas game 2008 and like, well, he beat him. Well, he was also there for like 11 years, and he didn't beat them yeah. a lot. Yeah. So um, like, I think looking at that, how is he going to be able to, to manage um, the talent he's he's going up against uh, as well as the talent that he has? Because I think it's make a good point. Uh, we've talked about this a lot this season, this offseason is – What's he have at receiver? Like, how are they going to make plays at receiver? But, but the the big thing might just be the offensive of line. Like, are they going to be able to keep Costello upright?
1: Yeah, I think that's that's really the key to allow Leach to run his offense in year one. And, I, you know, I, I liked some of the things that Garrett Trader did. And the helicopter play was one of my favorite of all of college football last year. Yeah. But I, I don't necessarily think that he is a, a fit in this offense. And I don't know what his future holds when – obviously, like that, that says a lot. If your coach – who has a, a true freshman who just had a lot of experience, is like, ah, no, I'm going to dip it in the transfer market and I'm going to go after yeah. somebody like KJ Costello, which I'm sure that was a super easy sell to be able to make in 2020, a time when the air raid offense is more prevalent than ever in the NFL. To be like, hey, man, you want to come over here and you can play immediately and uh, you can have a chance to, to, to throw for a ton of yards against SEC competition, as we know, with the Gardner Minshew pitch that that Mike Leach made. Not exactly the toughest sell to make. Be like, hey, let's yeah. get a ton of volume and uh, you'll be better for it. But, yeah, KJ Costello, yep. more than anybody on this list, is, is a lock to start, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree with that. Mizzou, uh, mystery. Eli Drinkwitz, what are you going to do, man? You're not going to let Alabama know. You don't want to do that. I <laughs> not,
2: think that was. Good. I think to do people it. gave him a hard time about that because it's like the he's not letting Alabama know. But, I man, he's just creating competition with his team. I love it. I love it.
1: I, I think that Eli Drinkwitz is... SEC East, Kiffen. Kiffin. I truly believe that. What? Yeah. I no. I like. I from, from a person from a personality standpoint, at least what Kiffin is in this day and age. Yeah. Someone who knows how to say the right thing at the right time, and not necessarily with the immaturity of, of Kiffin in his earlier days, but also someone who, from an offensive standpoint, does a really good job. If you look at Eli Drinkowitz's track record and the thing that is going to make this Mizzou thing work or not work is his ability to adjust to his quarterback skill set. And he's got a whole mess of quarterbacks at Mizzou. Most notably, Sean Robinson, who's the former TCU transfer, sat out the 2019 season because of NCAA transfer rules. But he is considered the favorite to win that starting job because he's the only one of those guys who has like legit power five starting experience. Other than that, Connor, I'm gonna butcher. I'm gonna butcher his last name, and I hate doing that. As someone who spells his his name, his first name, Connor, correctly, C O N N O R, two N's in an O. Connor Bezalik? Bezalik? I don't No, sure. I don't, don't go to me for this. Taylor Powell and Brady Cook. That's the competition now. Connor, who spells his name right, he is back to 100 after a torn ACL, yeah. after basically. I mean, got hurt at the worst possible time. Regular season finale against Arkansas, he goes down. That's a tough turnaround from a surgery standpoint. But Eli Drinkowitz says he's ready. That's someone who he recruited back when he was at NC State, actually. So could that give him a leg up? No matter what, I think, in my opinion, this Mizzou offense is going to look very different. It's going to try and be up-tempo. Got to remember, this is a Gus Malzahn disciple. But at the same time... I really don't know a whole lot of what to expect and I don't think even Mizzou fans are fully prepared for what to expect from this offense in 2020.
2: Yeah, I agree with that. I I, I think I tell you what, the Robinson thing is hard for me to, to think that he wouldn't be the starter. It's just it's it just cuz he's already played big time college football. I, I I think that um when you're when you're a quarterback or when you're a first year head coach especially with the, the daunting task that he has in front of him, I think you're going to want to go with the guy that is the the most I don't know, seasoned as a veteran. Um, and I think it's going to be Sean Robinson. That's just me.
1: One would think, and especially after an offseason like this, where if I'm picking a lot of these battles, I, I think veterans are going to have the advantage and what coaches feel more comfortable with and, and being able to give them control. Though, obviously, with this extended sort of you know fall camp, whatever this is, that is <laughs> going to give... Ooh, bless you.
2: Sorry. Jeez. All right there. Yeah. All right, let's move on to Ole Miss. Um, This is, I think, the most intriguing one, besides Tennessee, this most intriguing one in the the conference. John Rice Plumlee is the single
1: most intriguing player in the SEC in 2020. I am fascinated to see what happens with him if Lane Kiffin is willing to look at his skill set and say, you know what, this is different than what I've typically done. And you know what, actually, that came out wrong because Lane's most impressive accomplishment, what he doesn't get enough credit for, Is that this is someone who with five different starting quarterbacks has won five conference titles if you include the three that he won at alabama and the two that he won at fau he doesn't have there's no prototypical lane kiffin quarterback and i struggle to see like when i see people say that oh matt corral's a more natural system fit for kiffin kiffin's like you know what i need my quarterback to be able to throw but at the same time I can adjust to what they want to do. If they're more mobile, yeah. I'm fine with that. That's perfectly fine. I am going to be able to maximize my quarterback and scheme receivers open in ways that a lot of coaches can't do. And I think that John Rice Plumley for me, is still going to give them the best chance to be able to win football games. And he's too electric not to
2: have on the field. So I I disagree. I think um I think he's really good. He's obviously electric and you want to have him on the field and all that kind of stuff. This is an offense that was pretty bad last year, and he was a bright spot. And I know he had over a thousand yards rushing and all that kind of stuff. And he's obviously a really good player that will find he'll find he'll find some spot on the field. Matt don't, say, don't, say don't say
1: don't say that. Don't like he's going to be a receiver. I hate he's gonna that He's going to be a receiver. No. Oh,
2: okay, he threw four touchdown passes, Connor. He threw four touchdown passes. How does like as the quarterback system. of the SEC? what it was rich Rod's system I they think... don't throw the ball in rich rod system no uh, khalil tate had like four touchdown passes a game in rich Rod's system. system uh... uh, dude i'm telling you right now like he had four touchdown passes in the entire season i don't care what system he was in He was a starting quarterback he had the most he had 154 attempts with 1100 yards rushing Put that kid at receiver, put him in a wildcat situation, that's fine. I think he's really good. He completed 52% of his passes. Matt Corral's not, like, the best quarterback in the country by any means, but I think he's a much better passing quarterback and will fit much better in Kiffin's offense. I think that's going to be the biggest thing that people are going to not want to say in the offseason, and I'll, I'll just die on this hill now and say it. Matt is going to be the starter for, for Ole Miss by the end of the season, if if not the beginning of the season. He's going to do better in that offense than John Rice Pumley.
1: Here's another thing to remember. While that point is perfectly fair – if there was a player who was devastated by a, a what what the, the pandemic did in terms of spring practice and stuff like that, Matt Corral has a legitimate case because Matt Corral was going to get spring without John Rice Plumley because he was going to be playing baseball, and right. to not have that all of a sudden where you could have made a a loud first impression with with your head football coach, a yeah. new a new coach, and been, being able to do that where this is the third different offense. Got to remember that Matt Corral is playing it in three years in Oxford, which is a crazy thing to think about. But he didn't necessarily get that time. So now being able to see them side by side, I think that's going to be a little bit different. And I do think that just that playmaking ability, there are certain things that you cannot teach. And I think John Rice Plumley has more of those things that Kiffin says, you know what? Even if it means us being a little bit more dimensional than I'm typically comfortable with. I, I think that this guy and his ability to move the chains with his legs gives us something that is unique. is tougher to prepare for, and if we need Matt Corral, you know what? Maybe we can bring him in, a la you know the the egg bowls type situations where they're behind, and they need a last minute drive, something like that. Because yeah. I, I know John Rice Pumley has room to grow as a thrower. That release point, four touchdowns
2: and three interceptions hey. is an entire season.
1: I, I, I admitted mean, to you last year. I said, "Look, every time he throws the ball, it looks like it's going into the dirt." I, I, I just have I
2: think it. if we if we really think that John Rice Plumley in year two, when defenses or when coaches can can watch tape and understand how to stop this offense, and in a totally different offense, if we really think that John Rice Plumley is going to somehow be like a Darren McFadden and run a Wildcat situation and just run all over defenses, I don't think it's going to happen. I mean, like I just I, I just don't think that that's going to be something that we're going to see on a week in and week out basis, especially when you have like. Matt Corral, like I mean, like I just from from a throwing standpoint, Kiffin is going to throw the football. That's what his quarterbacks do, and, and, and I, I love John Rice Plumley. I love him as an athlete. I think he's great. I think he's in a terrible system here.
1: Mm. All right, that's the first one I think we've actually disagreed on, isn't it?
2: Yeah, I mean nobody nobody agrees with me on this. Like, like and that's probably that probably says something. I mean, Michael Wayne Bratton. I know he's he's huge on on uh, on, on Plumley, and he he knows a lot about football as well. And like, I I just think that. Uh, he's an exciting kid he's a very exciting kid we saw by the end of last season how he looked in the egg bowl when people had tape on him when people had to, like to to figure out a way to stop him i mean and by the way they were four and eight
1: they were the best four-win football team that is so in the stupid history of mankind <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> i will die like, on that hill i old miss was listen so take away john rice
2: plumley's game against lsu and then you t- and, and you tell me how great of a quarterback he was. If, if, if you take away the game against LSU, are we really talking about John Rice Plumlee being that great of a quarterback? Ran for 100 yards against Bama, too. Oh, shoot. What was the final score of that game, Connor? Not close. Bama scored five touchdowns in the second quarter of that game. This is true. So. This is true. <laughs>
1: yeah. I, I'm excited to see that one, though. I, I think that that is the – you're right. I think that is the most interesting battle w- with all the dynamics at play and knowing that you get, you get the nine to 59-31. 31 points against Bama, that's no joke, man. That's no joke. With it, really, against that
2: defense in the fourth quarter? What was the score at halftime?
1: I don't know. We were in Charlotte that day. It's like 38-10. to 10. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> South Carolina. Another battle that I think I went into this during the spring, and I said, you know what? They they trust Ryan Holinsky. He is the future there. It feels like if Will Muschamp is going to sell something moving forward, as to why he should be the guy and get another year or two in Columbia, it is because Ryan Holinsky is finally gonna break this trend of quarterbacks who don't work out for Will Muschamp, which even as a defensive minded guy, when you have this this long of a track record of quarterbacks not working out for you, yeah, there's something at this point, for sure. I get all that. The Colin Hill thing is, it's interesting. And for those who don't know, Colin Hill is grad transfer from Colorado State. Mike Bobo, played in his offense for three years there, tore his ACL three different times. Like, Dude yeah. has not been able to stay healthy. He wasn't going to be the starter at Colorado State. That was going to be Patrick O'Brien, a former Nebraska transfer. There is a belief that Colin Hill could understand the system and execute it in a way that perhaps Ryan Halinski might not. Now, right. I still, if I'm putting money down today, I'm going to say Ryan Holinsky is going to win the starting job just because I do think that Will Muschamp as we've seen in the past with his patience with Jake Bentley during some of those lean times, really, really wants to get out from under that cloud. He really wants to show, hey, look, I have a quarterback that I can build around and he can be the true guy to lead our program in the future. Now, are there gonna be moments when Colin Hill potentially plays and maybe he gets starts during this year yeah, especially if Ryan Holinsky's yeah. decision-making does not improve, which I realize that's a tough thing. He was in a tough situation as a true freshman, and especially when Brian Edwards was banged up down the stretch. Not ideal, not ideal. This situation just got more difficult without having Marshawn Lloyd, who I was really excited to see as a true freshman there. I know Gamecock fans are really bummed about that injury. Yeah. But it feels like Halinsky is going to be given every opportunity to win that job and sustain it.
2: Yeah, I agree with that. I think Halinsky is your quarterback. I think I will say this. Doty is there's a lot of hype around this kid, and it's somebody that that Will Muschamp has already said is going to be on the field, whether it is but a receiver. Yeah, or Yeah, they're
1: like moving him at receiver. They're they're moving yeah. half of their quarterbacks to receiver with Dakari and Jordan. I mean, there as I tell well. you what.
2: In in this situation especially, um, <laughs> in this situation especially, you can only there's only the, the leash is so short for Will Muschamp. So the leash the leash will inevitably be short for the quarterback position as well. And I, and I think that. You're gonna see, I don't think he's gonna botch it like a Chad Morris thing last year where he's just constantly rotating quarterbacks. But if Helensky is not doing well, I'll tell you what, if Helensky's not doing well in games they should be winning, Doty's coming in. You don't think Colin
1: Hill's coming in? No. You don't think Colin Hill with the experience that he has in that system. See, I think that that's where the, the, the friction can be is Muschamp, who at this point knows what knows what's being said about him and his his lack of ability to handle offenses yeah. and, and to put the right offensive personnel in. If there's there's struggles early on with Halinsky not being able to to work well with Bobo as a play caller and how all of a sudden there 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 could be that dynamic of hey, I want to get my guy in there. Yeah. I I'd feel much better being able to run this offense when I mean Bobo knows it too. Like if he tanks this year, it's his job that's on the line as well. Yeah. And so he's that's not fair. necessarily worried about the future in the same way. I don't I, I don't think they wanna have Doty playing. i playing. I think if they can if they can prevent it. They, they would much prefer a, a chance for him to be able to, to come in under that that threshold. And from an eligibility standpoint, it doesn't matter this year as we, find, right. as we find out how does that impact somebody like Luke Doty if you don't have to worry about that four-game threshold because this year, in terms of eligibility, doesn't count, which is weird in itself, and maybe we haven't talked yeah. about that enough. But, yeah, I, I think that that's something that's worth watching. And maybe just because it turns out one way week one doesn't mean that it stays that way a month from now.
2: Yeah, that's true. That's fair.
1: Two more. Tennessee... Um
2: <laughs> I,
1: if you had asked me coming Jeez. into this year, I would have said I have no idea whatsoever. And this could be a week to week thing, just like it was at many points during the 2019 season. If you ask me after all of what's happened this offseason with the limited practice time, I'm pro- I'm leaning your boy, JG, third best quarterback yeah. in the ACC, and the SEC, Jared Garantano. But I don't feel great about it. I don't – I really don't at this point. And I know yeah. Tennessee fans don't either. Can you picture what it's going to be like if he stays in college another year? Because this <laughs> year doesn't count for eligibility.
2: This oh. is so crazy. that Yeah. <laughs> the NCAA makes – the NCAA is such a joke. They make no sense at all in any of their decisions. Uh, best of luck, though, with the, your future careers and everything. Um, uh, so here's the deal. I, at JG I – think, I think JG's great. I love it. I love it. I love it. Great is a
1: strong word, man. Great
2: is a strong (laughs) word. I don't even mean it. (laughs) But I will say, I will say, so JG coming off of the way last year ended. Brian Moore, I think, is a guy that that could really, really do some things maybe in this offense. I I don't think it's going to be the freshman. JG's just been there for too long. I tell you what, if this season starts with JG and all this hype and he's like, you know, different year, got something to prove, got a chip on my shoulder. And he throws an interception in the first half. The first half oh of game one, he's done. Brian Moore's coming in, and he's taking over.
1: Have we figured out, isn't Brian Mauer? I don't know. Yeah. Okay, that's that's fine. We have time to be able to, to figure that one out. But yeah, I um, won't, but yeah. First first time that J.G. is returning with the same offensive coordinator, Jim Chaney is back. He has made note of that and how, you know what, sometimes, like I think, oh yeah, there was a tweet that J.G. put out there like Tom Brady had some quote about, yeah, like learning a playbook for the first time in 18 years is really difficult or something. And JG's yeah. like, huh, imagine that. Imagine yeah. Imagine that. Yeah. yeah. I, you know what? I, I, I feel for that kid because what, obviously, we've talked about it a lot, what he's had to go through at Tennessee, very atypical. But if he does get the starting job, um, Thoughts and prayers, Vol. T- Twitter. That's oh, man. That What's the last one we got? Next, last one, most exciting one of all. I know you've got a lot of takes on this. You've got so many takes on Vandy's quarterback battle. Oh, you I really don't care. Do. Why
2: are we even talking <laughs> about this? Um, uh, yeah. I, I mean, I don't. <laughs> can
1: I just, can I just say how, how crazy this is. So yeah, for all those who are like, yeah, I don't care about Vandy's quarterback. I understand. This is this is like a peak Vandy situation right now. Oh God. Vandy has four entirely new quarterbacks in that room. Entirely new. They've it's got. Like, it's like
2: when the Mighty Ducks went to, went to the, Goodwill, the Junior Goodwill games. They're like, yep. "All right, hold on. We're gonna get a girl. We're gonna get an Asian figure skater. We're gonna get a black kid from Compton, and we're gonna get a Hispanic kid from Miami." And It's like, what is going on right now? We just how did we not return anybody? Cleaning house.
1: They got Danny yeah. Clark, the former Ken, the former Kentucky transfer, who was committed to Ohio State way back in the day. They've got Jeremy yeah. Musa, they've got Mike Wright, they've got Ooh. Ken Seals. How weird! Hold on, is... hold on, hold
2: on. Let's say those names again, and I'm going to pick a starter based off the name alone. Love it. Danny Clark. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Have fun being a cop at 35, bro. Danny
1: Clark's my pick, but that's all right. Jer- okay. Jeremy Musa. Who so I could be pronouncing that incorrectly. He's got to be...
2: be a fullback. Mm. Danny Clark just sounds like he—he he, he sounds like he's 35 right now.
1: Yeah, he actually kind of looks it too. Definitely looks a little okay, bit on fair. the other side. All right. Mike Wright. Uh,
2: okay. Okay.
1: Mike Wright is not your typical Vandy recruit, no. by the way. Very, very fast kid out of Georgia. Actually, was had 50 touchdowns as a senior playing in 4A in Georgia, which that's that is no oh. joke. He is—he's yeah. a different type of quarterback recruit for Vandy. He is a true freshman. He's impressed a lot of people there early on. And Ken Seals is the last one. Ken Seals.
2: Ken Seals. So it's the second one was Jeremy Musa. Yes, Jeremy Musa is your quarterback, guaranteed. Just Write it down.
1: The name from a marketing standpoint. Write it
2: down. I love it. Mike Wright is pretty good. I like. I like the name Mike Wright. Mike Wright's the future. Jer- yeah, Jeremy Musa is is uh he's the guy. I like it. I like it. Yeah,
1: that, that's the only take I got on Bandy's yeah. quarterback room. Which well, by you the guys way, have a blessed day. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's go to, uh, we had a great interview with Dari Noka, got to talk about these last five months, how they've been on him, um, why he sat on the SEC schedule and wouldn't tell us his best friends. Just just so, so offensive. So let's go to that, and then let's end with some five-star views. So first, we've got Dari Noka. We're now excited to be joined by a very special guest. It is our good friend, Dari Noka. Dari, when all of us were waiting on pins and needles for the schedule to come out, I texted you an offer of $50 to just drive down <laughs> to the SEC network Studios, get on camera and start rattling off schedule. I didn't care if it was real or not. Sadly though, you declined that offer because you were in the middle of watching Hamilton. So two- part question to start. One, how much money would have made how much money would have made the proposition enticing? And then two, how long were you sitting on that schedule?
0: Well, okay, so one, uh, I better answer two first, because if I answer two, I'm not going to need to answer one. Uh, I did not have the schedule uh, at the time you texted me. So I I couldn't have done it anyways, even if I wanted to. I had no access to it at that particular point. Now, are we talking – I'm trying to remember this, though, Connor. Are we talking the schedule or the two teams that each team was getting added? Which one was that that you texted me? Do you remember? The two,
1: yeah, the two uh, teams getting added. It's been a blur, but I yeah. think that's
0: what it was. Yeah, I think that's what it was, too. So that was, I got that literally two hours before we released it. Um, mm. So I could not have helped you one bit there. And then this, now when you texted me, though, we actually thought that day we were doing it that night, at that particular time. And then it got pushed back. So it ended up mm. being a couple of days later. Uh-huh. As far as the schedule goes on Monday, which was a full-hour show and was so freaking fun, um, I was sitting on that bad boy uh, about 6 o'clock Sunday evening, uh, just scouring that thing and enjoying every bit of it, knowing that uh, not many people had it in front of them.
1: Gosh, and (laughs) you could have made so much money offering that up to the highest. $50. Do
0: you know what that's worth in today's market? I mean, that's 50 bucks. Oh, I know. Like, and I would have had to live on that fifty bucks for a while because I wouldn't have gotten any money from Disney anymore. Yeah, so, but it would absolutely. have been worth it. <laughs> I don't know. That's fair. I don't know. I don't know.
1: This the schedule stuff, though. That that being your first time back in the SEC Network studios since all of this stuff started. I know you've been a big hockey guy and watching your fair share of Disney Plus, obviously, you're a company man. But besides that and your SEC now hits from home, how have you been able to sort of fill your time these last five months?
0: I'll tell you, man, it's, um, you know, I, I think some people are taking this, this you know, the COVID and, the, and, and this pandemic. I think a little bit more seriously than others. You know, we're we're not ones that you're going to find on the beach. We're not ones you're going to find eating inside restaurants. You're not going to find us walking through a mall, or you're not going to find us walking through downtown Charlotte um, around a lot of people. We're we're pretty much homebodies. I mean, we're we we take it seriously. Uh, we lost a child as a newborn because he caught a virus early nine years ago. My wife's very uh, immune suppressed, so we're we're taking it seriously. So we've been home. And, and we've got this pool in our backyard that we did not finish. It didn't get finished till December. So the timing on it was perfect. I mean, like the first year to have it, it's been huge. So we've spent a lot of time here um, just trying to keep kids entertained at home as much as we possibly can. Um, you know, and now we're in, in the throes of school. I mean, now it's, this is the first week that that they're at school and, and they're all here. I mean, we, we homeschool our littlest one who's a second grader Um anyways, and then my my other two are staying home. Their options were one day a week or no days a week, and we're like, what's the point of sending them one day a week? So they're home, and so now we're finally busy. Other than that, man, it's been projects around the house, uh, watching movies. I was watching Hamilton that day with my 10-year-old daughter, Um, and uh, this, you know, man, I mean, are we bored at times? There's no question. No question, but uh, to this point, we've been healthy, and we're happy with the decisions that we've made and how we've handled it.
2: So, yeah, I mean, I don't know if I have a lot of football questions here uh, or behind the scenes stuff. I was admittedly very, very upset with you and CD, my my boys over here, that were like, yep, just been sitting on this schedule for the last two hours. I'm like, my God, (laughs) been waiting months (laughs) for this. Um, No, but what I was, so I want to know, like, the quarantine stuff, because quarantine has been, I think there's two types of people in quarantine. You're like, your CD, where you've, you've like, Somehow lost weight and gotten in incredible shape and all this kind of stuff. Or you're like me, where you're just like eating carnival food nonstop, watching things on Netflix. Yeah. What is your favorite part of quarantine?
0: Oh my god, my favorite part of quarantine is there like I don't, is do I have to? Is there one? I don't know if there is one. Man, kind of like um, Tiger
2: King or like Hamilton. God.
0: Tiger King, I've watched. I didn't care for it because he's in Oklahoma and it makes my home state look terrible. So I'm not a big <laughs> Tiger point. King guy. I tell you what, Hamilton blew me away. Like I I love Broadway stuff. I'm a fan of musicals. Uh, Not many people may realize that or or guess that. Um, I I loved every second of that. In fact, I watched it again with my older with my son uh, like three days later. I loved it, man. All every song. I mean, I'm singing them all in my head all day. My daughters are singing them. It's great. I love it so. Um, but no, like on a day-to-day basis, you know, it gets really, it's gotten frustrating for, for me, for my wife, Jen, like it has a lot of people because we're not going anywhere. But at the same time, we do try to realize that this is a, an amount of time with our kids that, that our parents never got, their parents never got. And, and most parents will never get again. I mean, they're here all the time. We did get a ping pong table. I grew up playing ping pong. I love ping nice. pong. I feel like I'm pretty good at ping pong. My son is uh, 15, almost 15, and we play it like an hour or two a day right now. That's been pretty cool, uh, watching him get better and better and better at ping pong to where he'll beat me about once every 10 or 12 times. <laughs> <laughs> it's
2: just a subtle jab. just a subtle jab right there. It's <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, a subtle jab. Subtle jab at Nick. Sorry, I
1: I know this has been it's been a weird year for for everybody and especially recently Big Ten Pac-12 both canceling their fall seasons, electing for winter slash spring football, whatever it's going to be. But as of right now, this season is actually setting up perfectly for you because not only is the SEC planning on playing, but you're obviously an Oklahoma grad who's still going to get Big 12 football and locally in Charlotte for you. there's still going to be ACC football as well. Tell us how you orchestrated everything to go
0: your way yeah Well, the ACC thing matters not to me except for the fact that that it's just it's just power five college football. So I lo- you know I- I'm obviously if we're going to have a season, it-, it is more legitimized by an increased number of teams participating. So you know without the ACC or the Big 12 and SEC plan, I don't know. I-, I think you can make the argument that they wouldn't be. Um, so yes, to-, to have three power fives, Plus, at least at this particular point, the American, uh, I think, still gives a little bit of a sense of legitimacy to to the season in general. It'll always have an asterisk next to it. it, it that'll never change if we get this thing in. But uh, the beauty of it for me is, yes, Oklahoma's planning on playing, and, yes, the SEC's planning on playing, which gives us some shows to do, which gives me reason to go into work uh, and literally talk some X's and O's and personnel and actual football with people still in the back of my mind, like everybody else, is it going to matter? Are these conversations going to matter? Is any of this going to come to fruition? I think we have to ask ourselves that, but um, you know, it's, it it, it at least gives us the opportunity to do that right now.
2: You know, outside of Jamie Newman at, at, uh, in Georgia, I don't know if there's been more hype around a quarterback than Spencer Rattler at Oklahoma as, as an OU guy, how excited are you for this this new era uh of the quarterback position with with Spencer Rattler
0: uh, it's been a while since i've gotten to see a quarterback really you know i mean start in norman and 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 develop in norman right. uh, i mean we've seen you know <laughs> we've seen them all recently develop they've gone from one point to a much greater point under lincoln riley we know that but to see a guy that's gotten the buzz, that's gotten the hype, man. He's got the swag. He knows he's, you know, he knows he's a stud. Uh, he's a legit dual-threat guy. No, man, I, I'm really excited to watch him. I'm really excited to watch him. And, um, you know, Lincoln will wait till the last second to name a starter, and that's expected. Uh, you want to keep your guys around like Tanner Mordecai, who's going to back him up, I think, in all likelihood. But, no, nah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty fired up to see a guy that's, Kind of more of a homegrown guy than than a guy that got there via the transfer, and uh, watch him develop over time. Still got still got issues on defense, and still got injuries already. No. And opt out, you know <laughs> Kennedy Brooks, great tailback, has opted out. That's an issue, but you know it's I understand it.
1: Big twelve title, you know, lose to another SEC team in the playoff. Like, let's just <laughs> yeah. it in stone right now. Tradition, unlike come? any other.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> Yep, man. Darren, oh Dar- you've interviewed.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I, I had to go there. I'm sorry. That was unnecessary. Um,
0: you've no, interviewed it was Sankey. Totally but-
1: <laughs> <laughs> you've interviewed Sankey countless <laughs> times, and you've interviewed him yeah. lately as well. We've seen how the Big Ten, Kevin Warren specifically, how he, admittedly he botched this from a communication standpoint. And, you know, even when Kevin Warren talked with someone like big 10 network anchor, Dave Rebsen, who I'm sure you crossed paths with in Bristol back in the day, how night and day oh, I know has Robert, it been,
0: very Well,
1: yeah. Yeah. Like seeing, seeing the way that, that Kevin Warren kind of handled that interview and he was really criticized for that. And also like having that up close experience with Sankey, how night and day is it just to be, to be able to watch these two commissioners operate?
0: It's pretty drastic. You know, um, I think with Sankey, you know, Sankey's he's, everything he says publicly is incredibly well thought out. Um, like, he's done this for a long time. This isn't his first gig as a conference commissioner. This isn't, you know, his, his first time at the rodeo. He is, he is, he is uh, exact in what he wants to say, whether it's via press release or via interview. He's very, very good at that. I think a little bit sometimes with him, too. You kind of have to read between the lines a little bit, but he's prepared, man, and and he is a clear leader and somebody that you know you can look to um, as a leader and a guy that you can trust to make the right decisions. The way he's handled this, from just the practicing patience and and let's seeing what develops standpoint, that's what the Big Ten and Pac-12 didn't do, and frankly they should have. Um, You know, I'm fortunate to be to have gotten very close to him, and and we have a lot of conversations that are not on the air, um, you know, and I feel like I have a pretty good idea where he sits and stands on certain things. And, and like, if we're going to sit here and say for a second, that he's not in the, in some ways deeply concerned, uh, I think we're lying to ourselves. The situation at UNC and Notre Dame are certainly attention getters. And, and if that happens on this, in this league, I think that's a real problem, but he's handled everything absolutely beautifully publicly, uh, and in just his, his private decision making, I think.
2: So, uh, this is a tough question, and I, I honestly don't know if there's even an answer to it. But if, if there's if there's one conference, and I, I'm not even asking you to be a homer here, um, if there's one conference that might have somehow won this tumultuous and miserable offseason, what would that? Who would that be?
0: Well, um, you're giving me three choices here, and um, <laughs> <Let's> choose wisely. <laughs> I'll be honest with you, yeah. I and mean, I'm trying not to be a homer. I think it is this one, though. I really do. I think that kind of the way that Greg Sankey's gotten in front and and um, been honest, been available. Um, you know, he's he's happy to do interviews on a local and national level uh, more than any commissioner I can think of.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, you know, I. The way that he's—they've un—you know—we've unveiled this. This our our network on Monday night when we released the full schedule got a ton of eyeballs. Uh, I had people across the country that I've known for a long time texting me, "Hey, I'm just—you know—I don't care about the SEC, but I'm just ready to watch some football, and this at least makes me feel like I'm going to type of thing." The optimism people needed. Um, I, I just—you know—and and I know this. I, I know that other conferences look to the SEC. What are they doing? Uh, they talk, the commissioners, the five of them, still every day. Uh, that includes Warren and Scott and two conferences that are not playing football. They still talk every day. And I've not been in those calls and I've not been in those meetings, but my hunch is that when when Greg talks, uh, the other four, you know, are completely paying attention. And that kind of leadership, I think, uh, is probably is what sets him and the SEC apart. I do think Bob Bolsby's also been very out front. I think he's done a really good job, the Big 12 commissioner. I, I think that he's been honest with people uh, as well. So I'm not trying to take anything away from him, but I do think that I do think the SEC has probably won the off season to some degree.
2: So last question for me. Um, I think one of the most unprecedented things we've seen in a really long time um, coming from from uh, student athletes this off season. The stuff with Justin Fields, stuff with Trevor Lawrence, and kind of being these vocal leaders uh, and trying to make change and, and institute change around college football. What what future do you see um, that having in in conferences like the SEC or college football in general? What do you mean by
0: by change? We're talking about uh, the things from revenue sharing to uh,
2: Just to having <clears> being more vocal here, leaders that, trying that to end, like stuff? get. Yeah, like, like they, I feel like they were kind of at the yeah. forefront of being able to kind of almost force the hand of some of these conferences into making change uh, and, and changing decisions they had maybe already made. Sure. Uh,
0: and, and I would certainly give the Pac-12 group uh, that they kind of was the first, I think, really organized group some credit in that. I think, yeah. we're on, I think they're all, abs, you know, and I would use. I, I think it's good good call that you use Fields and Lawrence specifically because they are so well known. They are so successful and have been so successful and they lead programs that are championship contenders and have enormous fan bases. So I think that's a good call to use those guys, but I think we're clearly on the way to these players getting what they feel and probably rightfully that they deserve. Uh, there will be a union. I don't know that they're ever going to get the revenue sharing stuff, but the compromise is going to be, look, we're going to let you earn money, name, image, likeness. That's going to happen. Um, the more powerful voices you have, the better the likelihood and the more credence that your movement gets. And that's what Justin and and Trevor, I think, both realized. So props to them for kind of being out in front of this thing. Um, you know, look, it, we, we know this. Whether it's football or it's anything else, one person can lead some change. You know, what did Kylan Hill do this year? I mean, hello, right? right? Mississippi State, uh, the Mississippi flag uh, certainly changed, and he was obviously a big part of of the Black Lives Matter movement after the George Floyd killing um, and brought attention to, uh, you know, helped other athletes on other campuses around the country come out and, and use their voice as well. So, yeah, man, I, I think we're going to get significant change. It's not just going to be those, those two leading the way. It's going to be a lot of them. And over the next several years, I think a lot of college football's top players are going to feel a responsibility because of Justin and Trevor to lead in the same type of way.
1: Sort of lost in the shuffle of what's been just a, a wild offseason altogether. I mean, there are going to be things that are gonna, we're going to look back on and we're going to be like, oh, yeah, that happened? I, I totally forgot yeah. about that. But one of, one of those things that's significant in, in your neck of the woods, obviously, was that you have an SEC Network co- uh, co-worker who's new. SEC fans, I'm, I'm sure, they're going to see a lot of uh, this year on SEC Nation, and not just because he dresses way better than McElroy. But uh, tell, us, <laughs> tell us about uh, Roman Harper, your new co-worker. Roman's awesome.
0: Uh, So I did not know Roman until I I hosted his audition. Um, ah, When did we do that? I guess it would have been February, probably. Uh, We did a few auditions. I won't give all the names of the people that we auditioned, but everybody's heard of all of them. Um, Sean Alexander, yeah. Roman Roman came in and um, immediately, I think, kind of made everybody feel really good about him because... Dude's got one of the greatest smiles I've ever seen in my life, All right, first of all. He's always happy. He asks questions. He wants to know. He's very, very organized, which clearly matters in this business. Um, But, man, he's just like – the thing about the audition, and and a lot of our guys that audition, um, and ladies, I shouldn't just say guys, for various sports. I've hosted so many of these over the years. They come in – and they're so worried about, do I know everything? Do I know everything? Do I know everything? We don't see a personality. And in my opinion, I think the opinion of a lot of people that do the hiring, you the personality, it's like an athlete with speed or height, right? Neither of which I possess. You can't teach it. You cannot <laughs> teach speed. You cannot teach height. And you cannot make somebody with no personality have a great personality. Roman had a great personality. I think Roman would be the first to tell you, like, I haven't really paid a lot of attention to the league because I've been doing this thing called playing in the NFL forever. So I'm going to build my knowledge of this league, and I'm doing my homework, and I'm cramming, and I'm studying, and I'll be there, and he will. I have no question about it. He will, and that's normal. But you got to grow into that. If you haven't followed it, you couldn't throw me into a situation as a, uh, as a Major League Baseball analyst and expect me to hit the ground running from day one, right? I need a little bit of time. Roman's going to need a little bit of time, but the personality – and the likability, man. People will pay attention to you and watch you all day if you're likable, and he is absolutely likable.
1: Speaking of your coworkers, who posted the better workout videos, and maybe workout videos <laughs> slash thirst traps, whatever you want to call them, uh, during all of this? Was it Doring or Chiswick?
0: Well, <laughs> I, I'll be honest with you. I don't get on Twitter a lot, so I haven't really seen a whole lot of them. I am not a big social media person. I have pages. I don't do much with them. I'm not a big fan of them. Um, but the, the great things, and I've talked to you guys about this, are the group texts that come between Doring, Chizik, uh, our producer Brad, and myself. And uh, some of the winners are the foods that Chiswick is cooking in his crock pot. That dude can cook anything and will cook anything in a crock pot. And then he'll show it to you, and he'll tell you about it. And, uh, th- those are the things that kind of, come- he got, he got Doring to buy a specific kind of like tool or appliance or something for cooking. I don't even remember what it is now. Cause I never bought it. Um, he made him, and then now Doring's like showing off the same type of things to Chiswick And you literally, you <laughs> would think they're talking about football as excited as they get about whatever the picture is of what they just cooked. <laughs>
1: That's not surprising at all. Just, Chizik <laughs> imparting his wisdom yeah. on Doring is like one of the most fascinating things. I love being able to see.
0: Oh, Chiz! Oh my God, no doubt, man. He's 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 the best. I mean, he's like uh, you know, you guys got to know him when you came up, and I'm glad you got to come up last year. It was so much fun having you guys in the studio with uh, us. I mean, how how great is Chizik? I've known, I can't. Even he's say the best. How many people I have? Yeah, I can't even say how many people I've known that when Chizik was coaching or before he was on television. Oh, I don't like Gene Chizik. I don't like him at all. And then they meet him, and they're like, they, they think going into a meeting with him or starting to work with him for the first time, I'm not going to like him because I didn't like him as a coach. Why didn't you like him as a coach? He just didn't seem very friendly. You know, he didn't, seem, he didn't seem like he liked talking to the media. He just didn't seem like he was a really nice guy. You talk to the dude for 60 seconds, you're like, oh, my God, he's one of the greatest guys in the world. Like, you <laughs> right. cannot not like Gene Chizik. If you don't like Chizik, that's on you. Man, that's a you issue, right? <laughs> he's amazing. Yeah.
2: absolutely.
1: Hundred
0: percent.
2: That's the first thing so, I said to him. I was like, you know, honestly, I, I, I hate to say this. I've said a lot of bad things about you in my life, Coach, as a Bama fan. And then, like, by the end of the day, I was like, I want to be best friends with Coach Cheswick. Like, he's just the nicest oh, yeah. dude. He's oh, the yeah. greatest man.
0: <laughs> he, absolutely. He's so. He's so awesome.
2: Sorry,
1: last question, and, and we'll let you go. We know that you've got stuff to do around the house and, and everything right now before you get full go with, with the season here. But have, have you thought about how different Saturdays are going to be for you? Because when we were in studio last year, I remember halftime mm-hmm. of the noon slate before you took over. Um, and, you know, PB is, is doing the, the noon slate and stuff. And they're doing, you know, breakdowns. There's only one noon game, and it's Northern Illinois against Vandy. And Chizik and CD were breaking down on the big screen, like the one touchdown that was scored in the first half of that dud game. You no longer have dud <laughs> right. games. It's like it's hey, all you all you have to worry about is SEC games and SEC names to yep. be able to pronounce. Have you kind of thought about like how weird that's going to be and how much different the in studio experience is going to be for you?
0: Uh, it, uh, honestly, I I haven't from that perspective. I've thought more of the fact that. You know the the time I, you know being in studio now a couple of times since we since we started going back, that the weird part isn't the, in my mind. I, I don't know. Maybe I'll be used to it by the time you know September twenty sixth rolls around. But right now, it's wearing a mask all the time. It's maintaining distance from everybody. It's seeing people I haven't seen in months and not going up and giving them a hug. You know, it's it's. Uh, mm, do I really want this from the vending machine? I don't know if everybody's touched it. You know, like it's that kind of stuff. It's sanitizers everywhere. It's spray bottles everywhere. That's kind of the weird thing. I haven't even thought about what that Saturday is going to be like. But I'll I'll tell you this, fewer games to worry about, which is good, which means you can dive Mm -hmm. deeper on all the games because you're not going to have all the non-conference stuff. And I'm not going to miss for one second that ridiculously horrific week 12 or 13 slate that we get every single year. Mm -hmm. Like that thing can go away and never, ever, come back. But it will be great because when we start doing that, I think it'll be the first time Chiswick Doring and myself are all in the studio together. We'll just be socially distanced.
1: Dang. That sounds awesome. That, I cannot wait for that day. Everybody's going to be locked into SEC Network. That day cannot come soon enough. We will so see to be yep. able to see that.
2: Connor, real quick, I do want to say something to Daria. That, I, I agree with everything you said, Darry, except wearing a mask. I ain't wearing a mask ever. <laughs> ever in my no, life. There's no me. way. L- yeah, listen to me. <laughs>
0: Oh uh, no! I you know what? <laughs> that, that I cannot. You, th- I can't even go there, man. If you said that around my wife, even joking, you better run for the hills. I mean, like dude, dude, thing, same with the, my
2: fiance. This,
0: <laughs> right? I mean, oh my god! I've never thought she was a violent woman, but I, I'm telling you, she would be a violent woman if you yeah. pull that crap around her.
2: Where the damn? I, I hear you, man. My goodness! It's so simple. <laughs> Over I, just, I told Connor this earlier in the year I was like you know what blows my mind we were asked to stay inside and order food from from Uber Eats and, and Grubhub nonstop, stop and it's like that's a dream for me like we just we got a staycation like, yeah. it sucks yeah sure but it's like we, have to, we just sit here watch The Office on Netflix get fat it was a great it was a great time it's all we had to do for two weeks anyway off my high horse yeah man. Yeah.
0: yeah no no it's, you're, you know you stay on it all day because I, seriously it's a freaking <laughs> mask right I mean, it's yeah. a, uh, somebody said I, I saw the meme. I'm sure you guys did too. Like, if you think wearing a mask is a pain, wait, do you have to put on a ventilator? I mean, dude, yeah, oh boy, right? Gosh, come Correct on,
1: that, man. Well said, Dari. This has been this has been great. Like I said, cannot wait to be able to see you guys doing your thing Saturdays in the fall. It's going to be awesome. Fingers crossed that we get a season in its entirety. Looking forward to it. We're gonna to have to chop it up again real soon. Unfortunately, it doesn't look like we're gonna be able to make a trip to Charlotte, but we'll we'll find some excuse yeah. to have you back on during the season.
0: Dude, anytime. You know that anytime at all, man. I appreciate it. I, no two minute warning or, or, or hurry. Oh, up. Oh, we're not doing two minute drill today. I'm
2: so much fun. Ah, damn it. So we can, okay. oh, I don't have one set up because I thought we had too many questions. We could do it. We could do it again sometime soon. We'll set it up. Yeah,
0: We'll set it up for sure. <laughs>
2: it's all good. It's all now good. Now I feel bad. It's
1: all good. <laughs> Appreciate it, Dari. We'll talk I'm soon, man.
0: Planner. All right, guys. See you.
1: Good to hear from Dari. Every time I hear his voice, I just think, oh, yeah, it's Saturday, middle of the afternoon. I know I'm right. watching SEC Network. Oh, man. What a great, what a great thought that is. What a time to be alive. What a great time to be alive. Let's close with some five-star reviews. It's been a hot minute since we've read some five-star reviews. If you have not left us one, you should totally do that. Now would be a great yeah. opportunity for you because I think you got some burner accounts on iTunes. If you've already left us one and you're like, I just love these guys so much, I'd leave them another. Um, tell somebody that you know to leave a five-star review. We always, always appreciate them. So thank you to everybody who has ever left us a five-star review. Let's start with U E Doomed. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what that means, but uh, what about an episode? What if Will Greer hadn't been suspended? That is a very good idea. It good says, question. says, love the show. You guys have great analysis and bring an awesome sense of humor to the show. I also like how Chris wears his heart on his sleeve for his love for Bama, even as a Gator fan. As with most reviewers, I have a few suggestions that hit close to home. How about doing an episode talking about what would have happened if Will Greer didn't get suspended and stayed at Florida? They were 6-0 and had destroyed Ole Miss that year. They were on such a trajectory that one event changed the course of Florida forever. Does UF win the SEC that year and go to the playoff? In eh, my opinion, though. Is Mac, is Mac Jones, not Mac Jones, is Mac still our coach? Also, maybe featuring those back to back title games, Urban versus Sabin, with Tim Tebow winning, then coming back for his senior year. Uh, I'm late to the party, so if you did them, and I haven't looked all the way back yet. Uh, thanks, though. Fully enjoy the podcast. Love it. That's a great, great question that I know Florida yeah. fans have thought about a lot. I don't think for. I don't think for 2015 it really would have changed anything that drastically because I still think yeah. Bama was the better team and they still ended up Florida still ended up winning the division and getting to an SEC championship. But as for what would have happened 2016, 2017, I absolutely think that would have changed things for Mac, but he thought Treon Harris was better, so
2: that is something else. Yeah. Um okay, this is from JD Weldon. Love the show, keep up the great work and go gators. Simple. To the point. Yeah, love it.
1: Well, we we love all all five reviews all shapes and sizes and of course i'm getting all the long ones uh this one from brandon mcmillan says make sds number 1 as a man who lives and breathes college football and loves the sec this is the best college football podcast hands down without a doubt a 69 star rating we'll take let's we'll take like that, that. That's fine like that. Chris and Connor give the best information regarding the SEC and college football. Besides the information, the humor in SDS is a five-star in itself. I'd love to see a Stump Marlar segment on a college game day someday because it's the content America needs. I look forward to every podcast, especially during these hard times, because I know I will be given a much-needed stress
2: reliever. Thank you for all you guys do. Gas me Brandon. up, Brandon McMillan. Love it. Love it. Love it. Um, I'll read another short one. I'm also enjoying a Popsicle, Um, This is from wow. William Allen. It says, phenomenal. These guys simply have more swag than any other droning college football podcast. They really care about the work they do, and it shows. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Love William Allen. It.
1: Last one here from the Huffmans. So potentially a family that we're talking about here. Ooh. Um, five star for y'all and Dan Mullen. Dan Mullen finally got a five-star player to commit. So in celebration, here's a five-star review for the greatest college football podcast out there. I really enjoy the content and creativeness to keep things entertaining and football related, especially in these times. As a Gator fan, Chris will piss you off. However, it's usually with facts, so we can't argue. And he makes up for it with his humor and slander of Georgia and Tennessee. My man Connor keeps things on a level playing field with his unbiased opinions, and that is appreciated. Chris, don't sweat Gator Twitter. It's brutal, but I have your back. Just give praise for Dan Mullen for finally landing a five-star. P.S. Oh. Water always finds its level. Unbelievable. That's
2: a fantastic review. That's a fantastic review. I, I didn't like the ending because I was about to about to go start gambling on, on NBA basketball, so that's good. That's good stuff. That's really good stuff.
1: Hey, for everybody who um, is listening to this, maybe at like, I don't know, five in the morning <laughs> or something like that, but yeah. Marler, why don't you tell the people, because by the time people are listening to this, you'll have already done this, and maybe you've already gone viral at this point, but tell people what you're doing with our good buddy, Tom Hart.
2: So Tom Hart's going to have me. I'll be, I'm going to be on ESPN2 tomorrow morning at 6.30, or I guess this morning, if you're listening. Yeah. yeah, Friday morning at 6.30 a.m. talking about college football and doing stand-up comedy apparently um so i'm really excited it's my first time obviously being on espn um pretty pretty big day for me i i, I could tell you right now if you're already watching this i'm not trying to make an excuse two minutes of clean comedy not my thing not my thing <laughs> but i'm very excited for the opportunity and i can't wait to talk to uh, our buddy tom hart as well so hopefully you guys tune in you haven't. I will have already posted about it seventy-eight thousand times on social media.
1: This is payback for all the times that we bring Tom on, and we're just like we're not going to ask you any actually actual questions. We're just going to kind of no. shoot shoot from the hip, and we'll just have a conversation. He is doing the exact same thing to you, and you know what? I I think that's a beautiful thing. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. I hope so. <laughs> all right. <laughs> well, well see. Marler, will I'm assuming that you need to like go to bed right now to be able to get a full night's sleep to be able for to real? do that. That's yeah. It's very very early. So. Uh, plan is going to be maybe a little bit different next week. I'm actually going to be road tripping up to the Midwest for my sister-in-law's wedding. So that is going to potentially make our schedule a little bit different. But as of right now, the plan is still going to be two pods a week. We're going to hopefully be updating you on all things news. But the plan right now is to continue to talk about actual football stuff. And my golly, that feels like such a great thing at this yeah. point that I'm not going to complain about. So... Marlar, was there anything else that we needed to tell the people? I feel like I just forgot
2: about something. I was going to say it might mean too much in Korean, but I don't know how to say it. So, Mm.
1: Well, you've got time to learn.
2: Have a blessed day.
1: (laughs) Talk to you guys soon.